1: Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the AI Premier League Preview Pod and this week we're looking ahead to Sunday's top of the table clash against Manchester City On tonight's pod we'll be discussing how the Reds fared with Chelsea week and whether we're in store for another frenetic clash this Sunday at Anfield as City look to get revenge for last season's encounters Joining me to discuss the game, I'm delighted to welcome on AI contributor Mark Roberts and Richard Burns from the Blue Moon podcast. Welcome guys Hello Good to speak with you Richard, I mean there's uh, always plenty to talk about when these two teams face each other. I, th- I think even more in recent years, especially since Guardiola's arrived um, at City and Klopp's uh, been at Anfield, of course, w- with Liverpool uh, last season's encounters, of course, um, you know, really entertaining encounters, uh, of course. I'm sure perhaps less so for City towards the end in terms of how those games ten- uh, turned out. But um, we'll definitely come to talk um about that but Richard what I wanted to ask you first really was coming off of a season of un- unprecedented success last time round a hundred points uh, you know, Guardiola proving to the entire British media it seems that you know his methods would of course work in the Premier League um, what were your sort of overall thoughts then that you know now the dust has well and truly settled on last season
0: uh, well I mean first of all it was the, the whole season um, almost from start to finish was a sort of pinch yourself to believe it season the The impact of Guardiola was phenomenal. Uh, If I'm perfectly honest, that is probably uh, the kind of impact, and I don't mean sort of breaking every record and getting 100 points, but in terms of style of football, uh, being the best team in the country. Um, that was the kind of impact that I thought we would get from his first season, uh, which was uh, extremely naive on my part because looking back it, it, on his first season, it is quite clear that he didn't have the squad to uh, to do what he did last season and that it would take time to uh, bring in the players that he needed and then to bed in his style of play. But what we saw last season was as a direct result of persisting, with, which he was always going to do, but persisting with his ideas and although I hate to use this word because it's an awful buzzword in football but persisting with his philosophy and and refusing to deviate from it even a little bit. The first season it brought some pretty painful results conceding for a Leicester team that were in dreadful form taking a 4-0 defeat at Everton. Um, there, there were some really hard moments in that season but it was all worth it last year because everything was built on the back of spending a year hammering and hammering and hammering his ideas into that team. And there was a point last season when it literally looked about four games in. There was obviously the, um, I'm sure you'll recall, the 5-0 win over Liverpool, although that was uh, against 10 men. Uh, so that was sort of a, um, a factor that we had to consider in why we'd won that game quite so handsomely. Uh, then there was a period in between that where it was clear that things were going well. And then we played Chelsea away, and it was it was literally like a, a switch had been flipped, um, and and everything just suddenly. Um, it, well, it was clear at that point that we were by some distance the best team in the country, uh, and that barring an absolute disaster, uh, that that we were probably going to win the league, and obviously so so it proved. Uh, so when you say now that the dust is settled, it's it's still sort of the same feeling. It's still sort of that's something that is banked forever now we will whatever happens from here and you would expect that we're going to have a few more successes given how well backed we are the quality in the team and the quality of the manager and um, there should be a few more trophies in the next year for us all being well but last season was something particularly special We the city have put themselves amongst the very elite teams to have ever played football in this country uh, and there will be arguments and discussion about whether greatness is earned over one season or whether you have to back it up by doing it again and again and again. Plenty of debates be had around that and plenty of fair opinions on on both sides of that argument. But what can never be taken away is that we got to witness uh, some of the the most incredible football that's, that's ever been played on these shores. And, it is. I mean, pinch yourself to believe it. Really, is how I feel about it. It's, we're just incredibly fortunate to see that that standard of football, that relentless uh, winning streak that we put together, um, and and two trophies in a season, which is never to be sniffed at.
1: No, absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head when you when you mentioned the word relentless. Really, and, and the way in which Guardiola approaches uh, his style of football. I mean, you mentioned his his philosophy there. I mean, what you tend to see. With the clubs he manages, is that once that imprint is sort of uh, ingrained in the players, um, the way in which they can sort of rinse and repeat the performances and the style um, for games in the league, domestic success for him has always been uh, paramount, and, and has has always come. To be honest, I mean, of course, moves me on to my next sort of uh, my next point, that I guess is maybe the. Uh, the question then, you know, with the bar set so high, um, and you mentioned there, you know, sometimes people measure greatness on consistency, etc., things like that. But with the bar set so high now, um, and I'm not going to say a presumption that you can sort of continue that sort of methodical destruction of teams in the in the league. Um, but it, yeah, it does seem to be, I think, easier for you than it perhaps is uh, fared in Europe. I mean, is is Europe now? Is Champions League the obvious focus, both for Guardiola individually, but also for City? Um, you know, it's a clearly a key aim of the owners. Um, that being the obvious focus now, is is that where um, success for the season is going to be measured?
0: Oh, to a point, and it's a really good question. Uh, and to be honest, to um, to really go into City's relationship with the Champions League and how it factors into the priorities of the club. Uh, to be quite honest, you'd, you'd probably need, um, you could fill a 24-hour podcast with it. It's clearly a competition that City want to win as a club and as a fan base because it's the, since the takeover and, well, since the FA Cup win in 2011, it's the only trophy that, uh, that we've not won. And year after year, to be honest, we come up Uh, We've come up quite short in it. Uh, Some of that, I think, was obviously getting used to the competition. In the first three years, we went out in the group stage. But in the first year of that, we got 10 points and we're one of only three teams who've ever gone out with that number of points. So I think we could consider ourselves a bit unfortunate. And the year after, as English champions, we went out with, um, I think, if I remember rightly, a record low number of points for an English team. So sort of the domestic improvement didn't match with our European performances. But then two years later in uh, in in Pellegrini's first year or sorry one year later actually we got knocked out by Barcelona and then again the year after Uh, so we could consider ourselves a touch unlucky with the draws Pellegrini's final year we got to a semi-final which on the face of it was a huge improvement but we had by any measure an easier group Dynamo Kiev were our last 16 opponents which is a completely different prospect to playing Barcelona Uh, and then we were awful against Real Madrid so and then the last two years, I mean, I won't, you won't need me to tell you what happened last season, <laughs> but the um, it, it's a really odd relationship that we have with it. I think City fans have failed um, to buy into the hype of the, pre, of the Champions League, and so it falls, to be honest, and, and I think other fan bases don't quite believe us when we say this, but it continues to fall amongst most City fans second in our priorities to the Premier League. And that is certainly how I see it. I see the Premier League as where you really prove yourself because you play, every team in it plays the same opponents in the same conditions. So, you know, you, you will all play the same number of games. You have to play each opponent twice. You will come up against largely the same problems across the course of a 38-game season. Um, the Champions League doesn't allow for that for the exact reason that we could get to a semi-final by taking apart Dynamo Kiev but go out in the last 16 by getting beat by Barcelona and the year that you go out to Barcelona is seen as the worst season. And it, I just find it it's, it's very, very hard to set a benchmark What you can do is look at individual games and where errors are made, and last season against Liverpool, Guardiola made, I think, a very, very uncharacteristic error, and it is not one that I would expect him to make again. At Anfield, he made a huge error of judgment, in my opinion, by setting his team up to stop Salah. And it's understandable to a point because clearly Salah had an absolutely unbelievable season and he's an unbelievably talented player. And so most teams should factor in a way to stop him. That's not to say that the rest of Liverpool squad wasn't fantastic because it was, and clearly in Europe, he did something pretty special last season. Um, but for City, who had been so dominant and... I don't know if you'll agree with this, but I think a large part of the reason that we took the 4-3 league defeat at Anfield owed a lot to a sort of 10-15 period of madness on our part, not to discredit Liverpool. But we were well in that game at one all We had 10-15 minutes where it fell apart for us. We made some, again, uncharacteristic mistakes. And I think Guardiola fell for that a little bit. Um... And I think he displayed a little bit of an inferiority complex, maybe with the knowledge of how bad City's record Anfield is. He put Gundogan on the right of midfield. He unbalanced the team to do that because Gundogan is not a right midfielder. It forced us to play everything through Sane. But in trying to stop Salah, we actually left ourselves with fewer options to stop Salah. We put square pegs in round holes. Uh, I would not expect Guardiola to do that again um, at any yeah. point. So If Europe is the... If, I don't take improving in Europe as the barometer of improvement this season, but to improve in Europe, um, to improve in, in the individual games where it really matters, because you, you want to like a tie in the first 45 minutes of it. Um, he's not got to repeat that mistake. And I, I just don't think he will. I think he will, he will probably look back on that game with a lot of regret about his own approach to it. Um, as to, uh, just quickly, because I've said... Um, as to how the season is judged, uh, it will ultimately will be judged on trophies, and we've got tougher competition this year. I think everybody knows that Liverpool will will run us a lot closer than uh, than we got last season. Chelsea, I think, could stay the distance. They look impressive already to me. So winning the league again will be a sign of improvement we won't win it by 19 points again we won't get 100 points again we may well not get 100 goals again uh, but winning the league itself and displaying that consistency would be an improvement on anything we've had before because our, t- our title defenses uh in 2013 and 2015 were um were abject so if we can if we can get past that and do better this year that will be our barometer of success i think
1: yeah, I think it's going to be interesting because you mentioned that, and you sort of speak there are plenty of valid reasons as to why City fans maybe have not fallen in love with the Champions League the same way other clubs had Obviously, Liverpool have a great affinity with it in terms of the the, the past success in the competition. Um, although I do think now actually that it probably be quite interesting if you polled the fan base if they were offered to two things again: either Champions League run deeper to the competition like we had last season, um, or a real genuine challenge for the title. They would definitely lean toward the title given how long it's been since since Liverpool last won the title, of course. Um, it's also interesting what you say there about Guardiola uh, changing his methods for the game at Anfield. Um, he's clearly an obsessive character, somebody who pours over um, you know, games you know, long after they're finished and I'm sure he will have... You know, Looked at that game heavily in terms of his own his own approach to it. You mentioned that 45 minutes at Anfield, the, the 4-3, um, and that, the uncharacteristic errors. Yeah, I think it from a Liverpool's perspective, I'd always say that. you I mean, we were sort of the um, we were very good at creating that sort of chaos in teams, and it, it, it was a little bit of, of a surprise, really, to be honest. I'm sure it was a surprise for you guys as well that that chaos was able to be created in a team that otherwise seemed so calm and assured for the majority of the season. So, I mean, moving on to things. Um, this time round, then you're obviously top joint top of the league at the moment, or you're ahead on goal difference, of course already um, level level with Liverpool. Um, what have you made of um, City's performances so far this season? Then, um, and looking at the get, the teams you've played, really, obviously there's there's the exception of Leon. Um, I think they arrived at the Etihad with a really great uh, plan, to be honest. But um, is this Liverpool game the, the first real test um, of the team this this season?
0: Well, Liverpool are certainly going to be the best team that we've played so far. Um, At the risk of sounding really picky and pedantic, um, I genuinely think every game is a test because every every game brings with it something different. So, for example, um, going to Cardiff where we were stifled for 30 minutes um, before then being able to pick them off quite easily once we got the lead, clearly Cardiff is not going to be the biggest test we face this season, but it was for that first 30 minutes, a test of not getting frustrated. Going to walls where they were in our faces uh, gave us, I think, the hardest game that we've had so far, um, where the crowd were behind them. It was only the second home game since promotion, I think the biggest game that they played at that point. So that was a very big test, and we had to come from behind in that one to get a what I would say was a reasonably creditable draw. Um, so, yeah, every game is a test, but Liverpool is certainly... The best team that we played, and the team that will be most proactive, the team that will be most confident playing us, because of how uh, the latter three games of the four uh, played out last season, where you were able to um, to score at least three against us on each occasion and beat us relatively convincingly each time. Um, so, and, and Klopp has a great record against Guardiola. Anyway, he has the best the best record of any manager that, that Guardiola has faced uh, repeatedly. So. Yeah, it's it's a it's a very, very hard game and we'll know a lot more about how the line lies after it, I think. Um, on your first part about what I think of City's start to the season so far, I think it's been good. I think it's very easy to fall into the trap of forgetting how remarkable it is to be unbeaten at this stage. As I know this season we're in the relatively unusual position of having three teams uh, in City, Liverpool and Chelsea that are unbeaten. But to get this far in, Without taking a defeat, is pretty good um, in the league. Of course, uh, the, the Champions League. I think the Leon game was uh, we were bad in that, but I'm hoping and I believe it was probably just a blip. Uh, so overall, satisfied. We've had some we've had some very impressive wins against Cardiff and Huddersfield. The Huddersfield one looked particularly impressive at the time, but the more their season goes on, I suppose the more it looks like you. A team of City's quality should beat Huddersfield quite convincingly, but a 6-1 win is still a 6-1 win. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's good. And I think we've got to... I think the test for City and for the fan base is to not get too... Uh, too complacent i suppose because it's quite easy to go to a home game against brighton and expect to win and then come away and not really be that enthused by the fact that you won 2-0 uh, because it's just the it's just the standard now but actually we were pretty good in that game as well so yeah it's been it's been good but i i would hope and think that there's uh, there's still a few gears to go through
1: no of course and in terms of sort of early contenders for sort of star players or, or key players this season i mean one guy I wanted to focus on is, is, is Raheem Sterling. Often sort of gets a bad rap from Liverpool fans um, based upon how he left the club. But, I mean, in terms of quality on the pitch and and how consistently he seems to deliver for you guys, despite sort of... You know, people having uh, you know, drawbacks to his game you know claims of poor finishing but, but, but you know, if he gets in those positions so often he's going to score the number of goals that he does do um, so I'd be interested to, to hear your opinion on on how he started off the season um, Mar is his arrival as well It'd be interesting to, uh, to hear what you feel about how he's um he's settling into the team and and whether he was just simply uh, another fantastic player to add to your squad or whether he's you know he's serving a very specific purpose and improving you and just the last one I wanted to ask you was just, um, obviously we've seen how Jorginho has taken to the Premier League at Chelsea and how integral he is to Sarri's system. Uh, we certainly saw that the past uh, two games um, for ourselves last week. Um, but not securing that transfer when it was so obviously one that uh, Guardiola was invested in. Um, how do you feel that, has that in any way sort of, um, I don't say weakened you, but um, I mean, is there now an over-reliance on a couple of players in, in, in central midfield, Fernandinho perhaps being one?
0: Yeah, so on the just on the first part on star players, I think you're absolutely right to pick out Raheem Sterling. I, I adore that guy because I think it's understandable that Liverpool fans have a problem with him because he did leave under a cloud. He probably didn't do it in the best way. He's far from the only players who've ever done that, but, you know. Football being the partisan game it is, we're, you know, we all see, see it through a sort of partisan lens. It's right that he gets a bit of stick when he goes back to Anfield. It's all part of the fun of it. Um, but generally the stick that he gets in the media from other fan bases who, who boo him everywhere he goes, it's incredibly unjust. Um, I think that view of him as a sort of uh, maybe a flashy arrogant um footy idiot as i think the son once called him is so unfair i think there's something incredibly insidious about why that happens but that's probably a debate for another day um i think the fact that he just gets on with it and the way he's applied himself under guardiola uh i i think is i i think it's pretty um i think it's pretty special to be honest i think it says a lot about his character his talent has never been in question. I'm sure that most Liverpool fans would agree with that because you certainly enjoyed some some good form from him when he broke through. Um, his finishing does get criticised a lot. I would probably say it's not quite as bad as people think, uh, but certainly. There is room for improvement with it as well. He's not—I would never argue that he's a natural finisher, but he continues to add goals to his game. His work rate is outstanding. The physicality that is added to his game um, makes him a much deadlier threat. And he just looks like he's enjoying his football. He looks like the team believe in him. He looks like, uh, although we'll never be reliant on one player, it's. Uh, and, and if we were, he's probably not quite the player that we're reliant on. But at the same time, uh, imagining this City team without him and, and last season in the start of this season is pretty hard. But I think we'd be a different team without his quality. Uh, he continues to add facets to his game where he can play out wide, he can go through the middle, uh, and his decision-making has improved no end. So um, in as much as you can pick out a star player in a team that has as much quality in it as City's does, uh, he's right up there, and he's had a fantastic start to the season. Uh, on Mares, I think he will prove to be a, a very, very good signing. I think there's a perception that maybe he's a signing that we didn't need, and time will time will tell if that's the case. Because clearly, City are blessed with attacking talent, players who can uh, work well with the ball, who can beat a man, who can create an assist, who can find space, who can finish. Uh, Maris can do all of those things, uh, and it's not something that City were lacking. But to have another option, um, I don't think can be a bad thing. I don't think it's um, a wasted signing, as I think was maybe the perception in the summer. I think City went for him across at least two transfer windows, uh, and... Possibly three, some rumours are to be believed. So it was clearly a signing that was identified as a key one by the club. Uh, he started okay. He looks better now that he's got a couple of goals under his belt. So the, the confidence is flowing. His, I've always obviously thought he was a good player. You don't need to be a great analyst to uh, to have appreciated that from his time at Leicester. Um, I think one of the things that maybe I hadn't appreciated was just how incredible the guy's first touches, which is when. City have a habit sometimes from Zinchenko or Delph when they're at left-back. City like to spread the ball quickly from left-back over to the other side of the pitch when you've got a player who can trap a ball and beat a man, both with his first touch. Uh, it's an incredibly valuable asset to have. It keeps the pace of the game up. makes you much harder to read. Uh, so I think he'll prove to be a very good player, but he's going to have to bide his time to be uh, to be first choice because there's just so much talent that he's competing with. Uh, Your Jorginho point uh, is, I think, a particularly good one because, yes, we probably are at this point a touch over-reliant on Fernandinho. Uh, He is an exceptionally gifted footballer. He's been wonderful for us uh, ever since his debut. The only times that he's really dipped in quality was after the 2014 World Cup, and he was far from the only Brazilian to fall foul of that particular hangover. Uh, And he got over it within a month or two as well, to be fair. Um, I would say he's probably not had the best start to the season. I think he was particularly culpable in the Leon defeat. Uh, but either way, he's, he's still uh, he's still crucial to us. We could do with more support for him. Um, I think increasingly, Gundawan doesn't look like the guy to fill those shoes. He's, a, he's in a weird hinterland of not quite knowing whether he's an attacking midfielder or a defensive midfielder. And consequently, um is not the most effective the most effective standing anymore, Gundogan. Uh, and that's not to say that he's a bad player, because he's not. But we could do with having a bit of a clearer idea of what his role in the team is, and we, we never really seem to have established that. So, yeah, uh, in short, yes, we are over-reliant on Fernandinho. I wonder whether uh, we could put Delft back in there. People seem to forget him as an option, even though that sort of uh, box-to-box or, or even sitting at the base of midfield is his natural position, and he's not by... Um, by default or left back, but he's he's just become that to us now. So yeah, we could do with more options. But the the Jorginho deal fell through once he started uh, having his head turned by other offers, which is absolutely his right. He was you know, we all have a right to choose the employer that we think is best for us and Whether that's based on career prospects or finances, to be fair, you're getting both of those when you go to Chelsea or City. So um, no issue with that. But City have a pretty principled stance now on they need a player to show that they are interested in City and uh, to sort of believe in what it is that City want to do and are doing. Uh, it was part of the reason that we didn't sign Sanchez and refused to match what United were offering to pay. Again, I'm sure people have different opinions on that and the fact that City could afford to to blow most teams out of the water financially if they wanted to. Uh, but they seem to have made a stance uh, in the long term aimed at stopping clubs, ripping us off. We're always going to have to pay a high price. But um, I think that has a large... Uh, it plays a large part in why we didn't get the Jorginho deal over the line because City just refused to uh, be drawn into a bargaining battle with Chelsea. So they've got themselves an exceptional player, is a player that would have improved our team, but uh, maybe that's something that we'll look to address next summer instead now.
1: Yeah, no, certainly. I think I was I was very impressed with him, what I saw uh, in the two encounters we had with Chelsea last week. And um, e- even when him uh, even when he was sort of deciding uh, and uh, Making that decision on where to move, I'm guessing Sari did a did play quite a large part in that as well. Knowing that you're going to be completely integral to Mahanja's system, um, although I'm, I'm pretty sure Pep Guardiola would have adored him as well. Let's face it, based upon his qualities, um, I'm sure that played a part in his role um, and his and his decision as well. But um, moving on to the game this weekend, then just as a as we get towards the end here, I mean, uh, I just wanted to ask you what your um, overarching memories were of those encounters last season, but you're, you'd already sort of summarised bits and pieces of that in terms of uh, you know, thinking Guardiola's not going to make the same mistakes, mentioning what those mistakes were in terms of unbalancing the side, maybe tailoring his side a bit too much towards the threats that Liverpool posed. Um, I just wonder what sort of um, state you think you are going into this game on the uh, on the weekend. Then, Are there any sort of injury concerns? Are there um, is there any fear that Guardiola, based upon the record Klopp has against him, will make that same mistake again? I, I, I doubt it very highly myself, knowing it's sort of what what a methodical guy he is. But um, it, it does seem to appear to be the uh, obviously one of the most challenging games for you of the season, um, and for Guardiola personally as well. I'm sure it's going to be um, yeah, a personal sort of desire of his to get one over on Klopp again. Um, just wonder sort of how you see the team lining up for the weekend's fixture, um, and if there's any sort of areas in particular where you think you're concerned about. You know, is the midfield an issue, or is it maybe at left back? You, know, based upon what you what you know as well of how um, how Liverpool started the season.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I genuinely don't expect Guardiola to make the same mistake again. I expect him to have the confidence and belief to just set his team up his way, play how he always plays, make... Um, this isn't to say not to consider how Liverpool will play, because of course he will do that, but not to make concessions that clearly weaken City or detract from how it is that that he approaches a game and how this City team approaches a game. Um, so... As to what kind of team I expect, uh, at the risk of this being a massive cop out, uh, I, I've got to the point now where I just I've given up predicting team lineups because it's near and impossible. I can tell you, Edison will be in net, and I think Aguero will start up front because he's in uh, unbelievable form, and at the moment is a far better option than Gabriel Jesus. And Kyle Walker will be the right back because he's far better than Danilo. And then beyond that. It's almost take your pick. I mean, you would expect always David Silva to start when he's available. Bernardo Silva's been in great form. So I would expect those two to play. But then between Sterling, Sane, Mares, um, I feel like I'm quite possibly forgetting someone, um, which is terrible of me. But between all those options that we have that we can rotate between up front that can also have quite similar functions. Um but also have their own very individual skill sets. I don't really know what to expect Guardiola to judge to be the best option. I suppose defence is probably the most interesting because that's where the players that are available to us have the greatest contrast. So I think Stones and Laporte are our best centre-back pairing. But whether the physicality that Otamendi can offer uh, might be seen as a better way of dealing with that um, really intense well as you said before that that chaos that Liverpool can create um maybe Ottomendi just getting in amongst it in the way that he does might be a really good thing but at the same time he's probably a player more likely to be drawn into the chaos than Laporte and Stones and maybe their cool heads are what we need or maybe it's the experience of Vincent Kompany um it's just impossible to call. If if Mendy's fit, uh, Mendy will play and he offers something hugely different tactically that will make uh, just the, the biggest difference from what we had at Anfield last season. Um, he affects whether Sané can play because you can pin Mendy out wide and maybe Sané isn't the best at then playing inside of that. So it then probably changes the options of whether you play with Bernardo, David Silva uh, and Mahrez. Um, it, it will just make a huge tactical difference. And I will, to be fair, feel a lot more confident if, if Mendy is playing. That's not to say Zinchenko couldn't do the job, but um, Mendy is by far the better option.
1: No, certainly. I think, yeah, he's somebody that I'm not looking forward to, to facing. If he is fit, I, I, I actually completely had sort of assumed that he wasn't in, in contention to make it for the game, actually, to be honest. But um, uh, if he's fit, I mean, that's, that's another huge weapon in your arsenal, isn't it, in terms of actually... Bringing him to Anfield, he's, uh, yeah, he, he's he's looked very threatening so far this season when he has played. Um, I guess then, just, just before we do wrap up then, um, Richard, what I was going to ask you was, um, I mean, there's many sort of well-known threats that Liverpool possess in their team, but is there anyone in particular this season based upon the games last time round that you're not looking forward to facing again? I guess maybe Salah, um, with the exception of Salah, because of course his threats are very obviously... Um, noted. Um, is there anybody else you're looking at and you're thinking that this is going to be a tough challenge for us?
0: Yeah, I mean, I suppose just to say everyone at the moment is a cop out. So, um, I, I mean, Van Dyke at the back will, I think at the moment, uh, he's probably, to be fair, probably the best performing centre back in the league. Uh, so knowing that we are up against that and a Liverpool defence that I think. It got criticised a lot last season and, and from the outside looking in, I think that was probably overstated anyway. But knowing that it's now very well marshaled by him, um, that concerns me a bit because you will be harder to to break down than some of the teams we've played recently, um, Fulham, Brighton, particularly in mind. Clearly Liverpool are several levels above those. Um, and then up front, I think knowing that you've got Daniel Sturridge looking confident and inform. I think he's a, a wonderful, natural goal scorer. I, I think he's absolutely fantastic. Um, and I think it's tragic that injuries have uh, weighed la- uh, laid waste to so much of his career. Uh, but at the moment, presumably, he would be off the bench. But knowing that he's there as an option, if things are going our way, um, after the goal scored against Chelsea at the moment, it looks like sort of uh, anything might go in off him. So that concerns me. Uh, Milner... You know, I, I know a lot of City fans have a problem with him now, but I love James Milner. He appears to be in great form for you and he's getting the credit that he deserves for that. I wish he got more of it when he played for us, but um, I'm glad that he's that he's getting the recognition that he deserves. Uh, so, yeah, I suppose that's, that's three players that I would pick out that um, I would like them to have off days, I would say.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see whether Milner plays, actually. I think the main question for Liverpool fans, actually, ahead of the game is the composition of that midfield um, and whether Naby Keita comes in because he's, with the absence of Oxlade-Chamberlain and the the diamondism that he uh, sort of brought last time uh, round. Keita is probably our most dynamic midfield option that we have, so... um, and I, I think, I think as well, in preseason as well, I think we even sort of didn't play him against you. And, and I was, I was wondering even that early on. I was, like, I wonder whether we're trying to keep this guy under wraps uh, because I think he's he could be particularly effective against you um, uh, this Sunday. But I guess we'll wait and see. There's obviously big games, uh, a, a big game in between that, of course. Anyway, Richard, thanks so much for helping us sort of preview that, giving us all the insight on City. I mean, it's. Uh, it's a fascinating project that's going on there under Guardiola, um, and yeah, it, it really must feel like you have to pinch yourself every now and then when you see sort of the quality and the um, the detail and uh, all the work that's going into producing the football that's coming out of uh, coming out of Manchester City at the moment. So, just before I do let you go, I, mean, I just wanted to ask you what um, what your score prediction would be for the weekend. I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh,
0: yeah, so I said from a a, a sort of very partisan and and not at all confident position of uh, just thinking that our record at Anfield has to end sometime and really, really hoping it's this time I'm going to go for a 2-1 City win. But I I cannot state enough how much that is not said with confidence.
1: Sure, but we appreciate that anyway. And I think, yeah, thank you so much for the insight uh, on Manchester City again. Um, just before you do go Richard, i just want to ask you whether you had anything that you wanted to plug on your side maybe the blue moon podcast that you guys do i know
0: yeah um so first of all if i can say if anybody wants to follow me on twitter i am at richard the burns and then uh, that will uh, obviously that's where i share the stuff that we do with the blue moon podcast a dedicated city podcast released every friday um we we would love it if if people want to check us out. Obviously, in the the coming up to this game, there will be a preview of the Liverpool game, and you don't have to worry about duplicated uh, opinions because I am not on the podcast this week. Uh, so, if any Liverpool fans are interested in hearing other city fans' views on the game, that is where you will get it.
1: Yeah, I think there could be some interesting insight there. So, yeah, thanks for thanks for promoting that. Bringing a mark to, to speak about Liverpool, of course. Um, some rosy times for us, Mark, at the moment. Obviously, it's. Uh, Despite the nature, I think, I mean, and the competitiveness of Chelsea Week, let's face it; those two encounters were both very competitive ones. Um, I feel like we've come out of it feeling positive, despite that loss in the Carabao Cup. Of course, then Sturridge's late equaliser seems to have lifted everybody. I just wanted your general thoughts, then, Mark, on on Chelsea Week, um, two games against them in in a matter of four days. Um, what did you make of sort of? Um, both games, your overall thoughts on them and uh, your overall thoughts on the results as well.
2: Yeah, I was I was on the post-match with Guy last week after the, the Carabao Cup loss. It's, right. it's always disappointing to lose. I think we do need to win a trophy sooner rather than later. So to go out early in a trophy is disappointing. But, but at the same time, it's it's certainly the fourth of the four trophies you can win, isn't it? So if you were going to lose one of the two games, that one would have been the preferential one to lose, and I think that was evident by the, the team selection as well. And then going on to the league game, that was a fantastic game. That was two very, very good sides. I've been surprised and impressed by Chelsea this year. I thought with the upheaval they had over the summer, how late they were in changing managers, and even right up to deadline day, Hazard and Kante being linked with moves away, and strong links as well, especially with Hazard. How quickly Sarri's come in and got them set up and organised. I think getting Kovacic in, and again, he was late in, but how quickly he settled, the change to Conte, and it's almost like last season didn't happen, but they had a bit of a wobble, and it's, it's the Chelsea that won the league the year before. With, with the additions made, they were very good, and the game on Sunday could have gone either way. We both had very good chances. I'm a Liverpool fan, I'm arguing and thinking Liverpool could have won it with the two cleared off the line, the good save that Kepa made for Mane with Shakiris miss. A Chelsea fan would probably say the same, that they had chances to win. Alisson made two or three very good saves. They got in great opportunities. It was just two very, very good sides, very evenly matched and a great game of football. So, And again, last year we, we didn't get anything away at Chelsea. We've got a point this year and it's an improvement on what we did last year.
1: Yeah, no, I think it was it was interesting speaking to Rebecca ahead of that game actually. She was the Chelsea fan who we got into the preview pod. Uh she was actually quite um uh, almost dreading the game in a way because um Sari's got a very particular way of ha- of how he wants to play football. Sari ball of course is his uh you know, his be all end all. But um uh he's not quite got you know, maybe the perfect players for it just yet but you wouldn't have really told that from the performance that they, that they put in on the weekend I mean, were there any players in particular that, that stood out to you on, on in that game from the Chelsea side I, I know this is the Liverpool section but Giorgino was uh,
2: mightily impressive wasn't he? I think that the three in midfield Giorgino, Kante and Kovacic were all very impressive especially Kante a lot has been sort of made of his, of his new position this year and he's moved him and why would you move him when he was So successful where he was, winning the league, with Leicester, winning it with Chelsea, and being a dominant force there. I think they won. They certainly won the midfield battle. But the game, on the whole, was close, and we both had chances. Just the speed in which they seemed to move around and move a ball around our midfield, we couldn't really get near them. And again, Louise was impressive at the back. It was he didn't get a look in last year. He was out of favour. He's come back in. He was solid and. He was spraying the ball around very, very nicely. Was it him that put the ball through for William? Yes, it was for a yeah. chance early on. That was again it was evenly matched. Their two centre halves and our two centre halves were both good at defending and good at bringing the ball out and spraying the passes. As I said, with a week before the season started. I didn't expect that from Chelsea at all, but yeah, the midfield three seemed to have settled very quickly and. They won the battle in midfield. And I said we don't want to go on and on about it because we we're previewing the game, but there was question marks over the decisions Klopp made for who started in midfield. And I think when Naby came on, we sort of started to win the midfield battle. But then mm. that side in with Kovacic going off, I was I wasn't unhappy to see him going off. Put it that way, I thought he was having a, a strong impact on the way they were playing.
1: Yeah, we'll certainly come back to Naby for sure. Um, especially what he brings to that midfield and uh, just what a, perhaps that current three that we've seen in recent games perhaps is lacking. So we'll, de- we'll definitely come back to speak about that. Um, from the Chelsea games then, I mean, uh, Hazard and Sturridge you know, both came out of those two games I and mean, scored in both games. Um, Hazard sort of scored a spectacular goal in that Carabao Cup game to win it for them. Sturridge scoring a spectacular goal to uh, pull, it, uh, pull a draw out of the bag for us uh, on, on the weekend. Sturridge, of course, you know, two goals, two games, um, started the season very well. Fantastic to see. It's a goal every 46 minutes, I believe.
2: Yeah, I was on a preview pod at the start of the, the season and hoping and praying almost that we had a fully fit Sturridge to call on and an option he could be. But I think he surpassed my expectations and everybody else's expectations between them. I think Solanke and Ing's got two goals all year last year. The fact that he's got four already this year, and fair enough, the West Ham game, it was the fourth in a 4-0 win, but the PSG game was a key goal. The goal of the weekend could prove to be vital, and what a goal it was. It's phenomenal. He looks sharp, he looks hungry, he looks happy with his role. Again, I think in previous years, previous campaigns, you might have had a bit of a sulky storage that he's played in the Champions League, he's got his goal and then he's out of the team again at the weekend. Harshly, some may say, but he seems to be accepting of his role and to be, I can't think of a team in the league that have got a better fourth-choice striker, if you like, with playing with a front three, so a 1st reserve striker than Daniel Sturridge is for us. And I certainly can't think of many that would score a goal of the quality that he scored on the weekend. It's no. been phenomenal, a long way it continue.
1: Absolutely, and you can't even think of of many players in our squad who would even attempt that shot from there, can you? In terms of the, so it probably tells you where his confidence is at at the moment.
2: It is, and again, I think you look back to the the Carabao Cup game. He tried a similar one to hit the bar, which was almost like he was getting his eye in, and not that it was a similar type of shot, but go back to the derby a couple of years ago away, where he sort of made room for himself on the edge of the box, had the shot that was saved, and then Marnie puts the rebound in to win it. In the last minute, he is capable of that type of thing. As you say, there's very little, maybe Mo on his day, but there's not many others in our squad or in any other squad that are capable of that. And it's just a different weapon. And so I think I said on the show last week, Klopp now seems to know how to use him and how to get the best out of him. And if he can stay fit all year and keep going at the way he's going, we're going to have a very successful season
1: yeah, top scorer, joint top scorer at the moment, isn't he? So I mean, yeah, it's a uh, it's a remarkable turnaround. I'm delighted because, of course, I was I was I was always always on the storage bandwagon, even when the goals weren't coming, even when the performances on the pitch weren't coming to be fair in terms of actually yeah, having, having time a, on the pitch.
2: It's a strange one, isn't it? Because a lot of people do seem to love him, and he seems to be a fan's favourite, but he's never really had the adulation from the crowd. He's never had the song. But I think more and more, he's getting closer now, isn't he? His name's being sung more, and I think the the break to West Brom, the loan, sorry, not the break, the loan to West Brom seems to have done him and us the world of good because he's realised what he had and how good it was and now we're reaping the rewards from a Sturridge that's working hard and proving his worth week after week.
1: No, certainly. It's really, really, really positive to see. And, of course, helped us grab that draw when it seemed like actually that, a little, that sort of aura that we had in terms of the uh, undefeated streak was about to come to an end. So yeah, it's really positive that we managed to actually pre- preserve that. I think it's a huge confidence booster for us, and uh, psychologically, it's going to be a big boost for sure. But um, in terms of Sturridge, then, I mean, you mentioned sort of the performances he's put in there, the qualities that he brings to us, of course. Do you think that he's made any sort of case to to be starting some of these games this week? Obviously, we've got Napoli. Um, on Wednesday we got um City in the weekend Two huge games Do you think Sturridge uh, will start either of them Or do you think it's just more that he's going to be A luxury sub option for us
2: I think for those two games He's got to be the luxury sub option I think personally You get the best out of Daniel Sturridge When he plays and Bobby doesn't And I think you get the best Bobby When Bobby plays and Sturridge doesn't I think to accommodate Sturridge You probably have to move Bobby out wide and he's not as effective as an impactive out there. So I think in the next two games, he probably doesn't get the start. But again, if it's a tight game, and heaven hope that we're not. But if you're a goal down going into the last 10 minutes again, to have that option on the bench would be great. But personally, no, I don't think he will start. I think Firmino's still the starting man, and I think that's where Sturridge would be the most effective. Is in is in a game where Bobby doesn't play and Sturridge plays through the middle, like he did against PSG. I think his performance in general in that game was very good. And he got the goal in that game and to get the best out of him. And for us, I think it's it's Sturridge or Firmino at the moment from a starting point of view.
1: Yeah, and you think about perhaps the intensity of that Manchester City game, maybe Firmino is perfect for that sort of
2: uh, Definitely. It? I think from last year as well, Firmino seems to have a number on Fernandinho as well. It's, he's a key player for City. Bobby dropping back into the press and getting hold of Fernandinho, that isn't Sturridge's game. I think it's it's a case of picking the right games and the right opponents for Sturridge and that's when you'll get the most out of him.
1: Mm. Who are some from, from the Liverpool side had impressed you from those Chelsea games? I mean, we're going to come on to talk about Alisson and, and some of the impact he made with... With his performance against Chelsea, uh, probably his busiest performance to date, let's face it, in terms of that, that league match against Chelsea. But, um, was there anybody else who, who stood out from the game? Obviously, the front three had a quieter match, uh, with, apart from Mane sort of pressing his, his head off, really, in terms of the numbers <laughs> that Gags and, and Co were talking about on the weekend. Of course, Salah as well, going through a little, little bit of a dry spell, a dry spell for him, but it does seem to be luck rather than anything serious. Bobby, uh, a quieter game as well. Um, were the notable sort of performers again in uh, in, in defence for you?
2: I think again Gomez and Van Dyke, especially when you think on on Friday the Twitter rumours were circulating that Van Dyke might miss the game. He was a doubt with his rib; he hadn't trained properly all week to come back into a game of that intensity and that level and put in that performance was. It's not really a surprise to us anymore, is it? Because we're seeing performances like that from Virgil. More and more often, and he's transformed our whole defence. And Gomez again was—he was superb. The the two of them have just forged this unreal partnership. They seem to know each other's game. And was it? Forgive me. Was it William that was running through late on in the game? Yes, it was. And wasn't. William's William's fast, and he's fast on the ball. And the fact that the both of them got back at pace of him and overtook him to make that challenge and make the challenge together was brilliant. I think. We notice when both of them are missing now. I think the impact Gomez has had since he's come in, to back has been second to none. And now you would say that it's those two positions. I wouldn't say Gomez is quite as important as Virgil at the moment, but again, when, when he's not there, you notice him missing. He's had a massive impact on us. and Giroud doesn't really score an awful lot of goals, but his hold of play and his link plays are. Hazard and Williams been on form and that's the role he did for France to help them win the World Cup and they kept him quiet and then when Morata came on he didn't really get a sniff in. We've been defending well as a team but those two and Alisson together have, have transformed our defence and to have only conceded three goals this season, when you think of the away games we've had as well, it's mightily impressive.
1: Yeah, it's crazy, it's real. Makes a real change from sort of what we're used to in the past, for sure. It was, it, it was all, almost even funny to see Van Dyke running on that point where you mentioned both of them catching up with Willian because you, you, you're so used to seeing him so in control that we actually very rarely see him sprinting at full pace. But it, it was pretty staggering, I thought, how both of them were able to keep pace with Willian and, and uh, sort of make that tackle. It's a huge, huge asset to us that they have that sort of recovery pace, of course.
2: And that late in the game as well, when it's oh, yeah. when you think of the work that they put in all game to still have that pace that later on in the game and and the captain's armband looked very nice on Virgil's arm yes, as well. We'll see that again soon.
1: Lots of chatter about that for sure. Lots of uh, lots of pictures online, of course, <laughs> of, of of that moment. So I think that's that de- definitely one to watch, perhaps as as the season goes on. Uh, Allison as well was another one who put in sort of captain's performance as well, didn't he? Really, in terms of just when. When he needed to stand up and be counted, he was there. Um, it's something that we're again trying to get used to watching Liverpool. You're seeing a goalkeeper that in the big moments when you need him to pull, pull something out of the fire, really, in terms of actually 1v1 situations against Hazard, against Willian. He was there. He made some big saves. What, what did you make of his performance? Is that the busiest he's been, really, you think, since, since uh, he joined the club?
2: I think so, definitely. He, he was making key saves at key times, wasn't he? She so had the William chance at... In the first half, where he broke free and he came out, and he's just big, isn't he? He makes himself look big and he just does the right things, and they almost don't look spectacular. If you just saw that, it didn't look that good a save, but it was because of the hard work he'd done. He'd got himself into the right position that he doesn't need to make that spectacular save. And yeah,
1: had you, you heard what David Priest had said about that, Mark? Actually, I'm, I'm not i I sure
2: didn't if, know, to be honest.
1: Not, not sure if you follow him online, but he's. He, Often adds quite a nice level of insight in terms of goalkeepers, and it's just, it's just been an interesting sort of, sort of thing. He, he's a big Allison fan, but he was actually talking about one of the things that, um, Allison does. Um, and apparently it's like a Sunday league sort of thing that you, I mean, it, it goes right the way up really because of a sort of old school sort of tactic really, but uh, he's noticed that Allison does this in 1v1 situations and that uh, a player will inevitably sort of be running at you, whether it be Hazard, whether it be William, whoever it is. Um, and as they're running towards you there's inevitably going to be a point where they have to look down just to make sure that they're controlling the ball right or you know, if they're just about to hit it they'll they'll take one look down before they do um and it's it, it so he's already rushed out at, at, at that stage but when they look down that's when he, he sort of takes that as a cue to rush them even further so when they look up the pictures changed if, if that makes sense and they rush the shot uh, and david david priest was sort of saying something along the lines of it's, he does it every single time and it'll be funny once people start to figure it out because they'll just dummy him or things like that but um, it does seem to be working so far. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of anything like that.
2: I hadn't, no, but it's very clever. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense and you say it's chances like that that last year, the year before, they were being put away, weren't they? And all of a sudden it's your 2-0 down and Chelsea set up, shut up shop and it's game over. But he's, he's making the right saves at the right time and I can't remember who it was. I remember somebody saying similar about De Gea a few years ago. And then all of a sudden, you've got that reputation that when you have a chance, you think I'm going to have to put this right in the corner to have any chance of scoring. Otherwise, yeah. he, he save it. And then they start fluffing their chances, and it's it's almost that I haven't scored before I've even taken this because he's going to save it, and it puts that doubt in the striker's mind. And that's what you want. And the more performances he has like that the more teams that come and face us will have that mentality that they're going to have to put something really special out of the bag to beat this guy. And the chances of that happening aren't very good, so that that can only be a good thing for us going forward.
1: No, for sure. I think it's it, it's definitely happened to us against the Gea in the past. I remember certain games watching it where it looked like everybody was trying to place their shots in the corner or sort of top, top corner or bottom left, bottom right. And, and, and the reason for them sort of Desiring that sort of perfect finish was the fact that they already sort of were conscious of the fact that De Gea is probably going to save it anyway. Um, and yeah, if we can get to that stage where strikers are uh, approaching Allison with that same sort of, sort of resignation, I think that's, that's definitely going to help us out a lot. Even when you think about it that to get to Allison, you have to sort of get past Van Dyke and Gomez, uh, which is, which is hard enough as it is anyway. Um, and when Fabino comes in, you imagine that's going to get even more, even more difficult for, opposition players as well. so
2: Yeah, so they're going to think we're only going to get one or two chances here. So when we get the chance, we're going to have to take it. And then you hope they rush the chance, they snatch at it and we get away. And that's what we want, isn't it? To build up that aura that teams know they're not going to score before they've even tried.
1: Yeah, I mean, even in that late goal yeah. that Sturridge scored as well, I mean, I think there's been quite a few comparisons so far um, this season I've heard in the media actually um of different podcasts really just about Liverpool and, and how they, they they do tend to remind
2: um
1: a few people of uh, sort of Fergie's old sort of Manchester United side so far anyway, of course I'm touching wood because of course those Man United sides did one thing in particular, didn't they? To the win win titles and things like that. But um just the sort of aura around them, you know, in, in an attacking sense, uh, obviously had that never say die attitude that they were completely associated with Um, If we can start to develop those traits and develop those auras again, that's going to stand us in good stead for sure, I think, going forward. But um, we move into a huge game, of course, on Wednesday against Napoli. Um, Away to Napoli, always a very difficult one. Um, And then, of course, City on the weekend. Uh, Just focusing on City then, Mark, uh, uh, last season, uh, titanic encounters against them. Uh, Every game was equally compelling some more frenetic and chaotic than others, but um, all of them had you on the edge of your seat, really. The two Anfield games, you know, very famous or sort of Anfield nights now. Um, one player who, um, of course, starred in those performances, uh, his dynamism really came to the fore. In fact, it was probably one of his standout performances for us as he joined was, of course, Oxlade-Chamberlain. Um, with him out at, at the moment, Mark, um, in general, I feel people think there's a little bit of dynamism missing from that midfield three that we started against Chelsea with. Um, they obviously our best presses know know the system, etc. Um, but would you be sort of looking to replicate Ox's impact against City uh, this weekend?
2: I think so. I think if you look look at the two Anfield games, we'll ignore the league game that the Etihad for the time being, I mean, he scored the first goal. In the home win at Anfield in the 4-3 game and he scored the second in the Champions League in the 3-0 home win and they just didn't seem to know how to cope with him running at them, picking up that ball from midfield and charging towards the box and they just seemed to back off him and be scared of him he seemed to terrorise their defence it was almost a do you not know who we are, how dare you come and run at us and they were shell-shocked by him so yeah, we definitely had success. There was others involved as well, of course there were, but he had a massive impact in those games, and and in the away game as well in in the Champions League, he was he was a threat. He was good going forward. He was linking the midfield and the forward play, and they haven't really added or changed anything to that area of the pitch, city. So I think that's still an area where they could potentially be got at, and. Ox is obviously injured, he's probably going to miss all season unfortunately, so you're thinking the most likely replicant we we've got at the moment is Nabby so surely nabby has got to start that game and hopefully he can get somewhere close, he's the one that can pick up the ball in the same sort of areas, he can bring it forward, he, can, he hasn't had his shooting boots on as of yet this season, what a time that would be to get your first goal or to certainly... Fred would through to Mane or Mo or Bobby and and get us going that way.
1: No, for sure. I think yeah, he's he's certainly somebody that that you'd look at, especially his impact against Chelsea, as you mentioned, with the um that starish chance actually even coming from the fact that he he naby had sort of dribbled past three players before right at the start of that move actually. So I think yeah, he he definitely impressed, and it'd be interesting to see whether he takes part against Napoli um, uh, tomorrow night or whether it's going to be more a case of him. Being saved for this weekend. Um, City, uh, obviously, they played tonight and they, um, sort of scraped by in the end, really. It was one, uh, Hoffenheim that haven't started the Bundesliga season very well at all, actually. Um, sort of probably a byproduct of Nike Hushman sort of being, you know, them knowing he's going so early on, which is sort of a strange thing when it comes to a manager. Um, but, uh, City, uh, it was only 87th minute when David Silver sort of scored the winner for them to, yeah, to win 2-1. Important win for them as well, of course, you know, having lost their opening game in the Champions League group as well. So, I don't want to sort of paint a picture that City aren't doing well. They've won their last four. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, pretty methodical in the way they pick apart teams in the Premier League. I think they've sort of got that formula sorted. But as you mentioned, Mark, I mean, Fernandinho, he struggled at times to deal with, um, some of the dynamism, some of the pressing that we could, uh, conjure up against him. Another area for them as well that they're a little bit weakened at the moment, of course, is left back. Mendy's out. Um, Laporte played there tonight, really. Uh, Daniel, of course, they got him as an option. Um, but aside from that, I mean, Delft's out as well. Um, they're not particularly well stopped. That's potentially one area we can get at them. Um, what have you made of City so far this season? I mean, they've been pretty imperious in the league. The odd blip aside, of course, that draw against Wolves. But um, you mentioned there they've not brought in um, any sort of sizable players like Jorginho and the impact he's said for Chelsea. Uh,
2: do you think we can get at them? I think we can. I didn't quite realise this. I heard it today that they have obviously have been emphatic this season and, and they're joint top of the league with us, ahead of us on goal difference. But I hadn't really noticed how easy their fixtures had been Obviously, they started with Arsenal away, but Arsenal are notoriously slow starters and always tend to take a while to get going. And then they've played the three promoted teams from this year and the three promoted teams from last year. And when you think we've been away at Leicester, Tottenham and Chelsea, which are are three very tough away games, and to be level on points with them, I think is is quite remarkable. To be honest, it was interesting to have Gundogan Went off injured as well, so he's yeah. been playing quite a lot. So he doesn't tend to like to play silver and silver in the team. I know De Bruyne is back training this week, but whether he'd he'd throw him back in to a game like that, I don't know. He might he might be tempted too for the for the nature of the game, and then knowing that there's an international break coming up, that he can just ask him to go for it and get the most out of him and and go for it that game. But but was it one of the games last year? Laporte played. Left back and it just didn't work at all. It just he wasn't. He's not in the same league as Mendy, is he? For the attacking threat that he gives, again being comfortable on the ball and bringing the ball out, and he was caught out a few times. So from that point of view, I hope he does start there again. It was interesting. Aguero played the full ninety minutes tonight. There's been talk that he's got a bit of a foot injury and is carrying a knock there, so. I think there's, there's potential there to be got obviously. I hope all of our star men come through unscathed tomorrow. I think I think we will see a few changes tomorrow. I think the win over Paris has given us that luxury that we can afford to, to rest a few of few on the bench and hopefully not need them. And then I think it will be a very similar team to the team that we started the season with against City, I think. The Chelsea and Tottenham away games, they've been away and maybe he's looked to, to go for a bit more of, of what he knows. And that's why he went back to the midfield three. We saw so much towards the end of the last season. But I think for this game, the home game, and as we spoke about earlier, the impact Ox had, I think he look to sort of replicate that and where we had success. And I think Naby's the ideal man to come in for that. So I think I'd be tempted to rest Naby tomorrow to give him the week to get him ready and maybe play for Bino tomorrow night. And yeah, I was
1: going to say.
2: I think that that might be the call. So, but then, the other argument to look at is that now could do a minute on his legs and maybe get, because he hasn't played a lot the last couple of weeks. So, I know he played in the Carabao Cup game, but to almost get an understanding going again and, and see it. But if we're unsure, if we're then Pep will be unsure as well and he won't know what to plan for and what to prepare for and... And that can only stand us in good stead, really.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you imagine Guardiola, the um, sort of obsessive character that he is, has has rewatched those tapes of those performances last season again and again and again and again uh, to try and figure out a way uh, to combat them. Because it, it is a thing, isn't it? Obviously Klopp does seem to have this little number over him in recent years and uh, um, the way in which his sides can... Uh, attack and really get at Guardiola's sides, it d- does tend to t- take the, g- the game away from them in a matter of sort of 20 minute spells, um, even in otherwise sort of pretty strong city performances. So I- I've got no doubt that Guardiola's been poring over all the footage there to try and figure out a way. Um, in some of the big games this season, as you mentioned, we- we've seen us tailor our approach really to who we're playing. PSG, you know, there's a very specific approach to dealing with Neymar and Mbappe. It does it, how we set up, how how we pressed really. Do you think there's no risk in Nabi playing and us adopting a similar system as we did last year in that you think that, that maybe they're expecting that at all?
2: I don't it's it's gonna be like a game of chess or week really as you say you've got the De Bruyne back the throne in now as well, with him being back in training and Klopp probably thinking the same well, who do I plan for? Is he gonna play Fernandinho and the two silvers. Is he is going to going to be fit? Is he going to throw the Bruiner back in? And it's it's the margins like that that can make or break a game, isn't it? Really, it's I I would play Naby. I I think Naby's. I think Henderson's been poor the last couple of weeks. I'm I'm not a big Henderson fan anyway, but I think he's been poor the last couple of weeks. I think Milner's had a couple of a poorer games the last couple of games. So I think he could certainly do with the rest tomorrow night. I'd be more tempted to play Milner in the city game the tomorrow night I think the Milner would be more important in the league game and the way we started the season with Ginny and the six and then Nabi and Milner was working, we started the season well and I would revert back to that and, and let them worry about us and I think much as Nabi we would hope that he sort of does similar to what Ox was doing and where we had success there. He's a different type of player, it's a different threat that he poses and I think that's, you've got to look at where you can get at them. I think that's an area we can get at them. And again, if they're going to be playing a makeshift left-back, I think that's why you would play Milner to cover Trent and then Trent can get on forward and, and attack their their left-back and get success that way. We've, we've had success from crosses into the box this year as well that we weren't overly seeing last year. So that might be a, a ploy and a way to get at them and hurt them that way.
1: Yeah, just one aspect I wanted to focus on, just before we get to actual uh, score predictions, Mark, was last year, I think, one of the things that people focused on quite heavily ahead of these games was City very strong in wide areas, you know, Leroy Sané, uh, Raheem Sterling, of course, as well. Um, Sort of by the by that Sterling doesn't tend to have good games at Anfield, really, when he returns there. Uh, Sané had a mixed and had a fantastic season last year. Uh, sort of the exclusion from the World Cup, things have seemed to be a little bit slower for him this season, starting off. But he does seem to be picking up form uh, in recent weeks. Um, lots of focus was made about how our fullbacks would deal with the you know, with the threat of those two wingers um, or sort of wide forwards. Sane, of course, against Trent was a big battle. We focused on last season. Um, yeah, very difficult customer to deal with, Sterling. I think, yeah, for, for all we might. Uh, have our own sort of thoughts on him based upon his previous history at Liverpool, but um, aside from playing us, he, I mean, he seems to be incredibly sort of consistent in terms of chipping away, scoring those goals, uh, gets into the great you know, great positions to score very easy goals for City and a number of them. Um, would th- would those players still be the ones that you're most worried about in terms of sort of key battles on the pitch?
2: I think so. Yeah, but Aguero doesn't seem to have a good record at Anfield, do you? But you think. It's always a nagging doubt that, isn't it, that a player of that ability, that quality that scored that many goals.
1: Always that, scores against us at the Etihad, <laughs>
2: that, that's it, you've just gotta think you've just gotta be so wary of him. He'll be desperate to score at Anfield to sort of get that get that off his back. And again the midfield, there's just whoever they pick, there's quality, isn't there? Mahrez has is coming when he's coming and and has scored and looked deadly and looked dangerous. The two silvers are playing fantastically well Sterling, Sane even Jesus hasn't really had much of a look in this year which surprised me, I thought he would have rotated with Aguero more, and Aguero playing the full 90 tonight, is he going to throw a, a wild one and start with Jesus at the weekend is he going to start them both he just has this tendency doesn't he Pep, to throw to throw a mad one in, I think at the, the game against us at Anfield in the league he, they put Gundogan when nobody was expecting him to and he's just got this tendency to do something to try and catch you off guard and do something, do something a bit bonkers. It's, you just never know with Pep, do you? What, what, what's coming? They could have threats from all over the place. If they play the three that you would expect them to play, maybe Aguero, Sarney and Sterling, the three of them are going to give our back four. A hell of a test-all game, aren't they? They move, they interchange, they're fast. And the supply line coming from behind them, again, whoever he picks is going to be. The midfield's going to have to be on on the ball to try and stop that supply line getting into them. And the, the bigger worry for me this year has been our left-hand side. Robertson just doesn't seem to get as much cover and support as Trent gets down on the right. I think Milner tends to cover that side a lot more and gets more, gets back more and helps out whereas Robertson's a few times this season has been isolated and, and attacked so if I've noticed that again, Pep's probably noticed that and she think there's he overload down there right and our left and try and get, get in that way which it's going to be a fascinating game isn't it there's battles to be won and lost all over the pitch
1: Yeah there always are, it's going to be interesting as well, I mean both managers are very friendly to be honest, there's no, there's no sort of t- Spat in, in the lead up to the game, but it's going to be interesting to see whether there's any sort of battle, uh, off the pitch in terms of some of the mind games that are played this week. It's going to be interesting for sure, especially that De Bruyne card, as you mentioned there, Mark. But in terms of score predictions then, I mean, what are you th- feeling for this, uh, this game on the weekend then? I mean, got a good record against City at Anfield in, in recent years. Um, last season, of course, was, was positive for us as well. Um, are you feeling confident?
2: I am feeling caught. I'm going to throw a mad one. I've done. I'm going to do you remember all those years ago when we had the four three against Newcastle, <laughs> and then the next year we had another four three with Newcastle. I have a feeling it's going to be another four three. I think it's four thirty on the Sunday, isn't it? It's the night's drawing in now, so the floodlights will be on. And
1: so, you think Allison's going to concede th- three goals in one game?
2: I do. I think it's going to be a four three, and it's going to be a late winner that we get. I think I'm going to go for a, a, another Sturridge late winner to
1: get us the three points. Oh, another, another storage late winner. I think people yeah, That's definitely preaching to the converted here, I think, for sure. I mean, I, I'm going to be a little bit more conservative, but I think it's going to be 3-1, I think, potentially. Uh, i scoring a, take that. With us scoring a late goal to make it look more comfortable than it actually was, I think there's going to be a lot of agony. Uh, into the yeah, it's, I think.
2: it's going to be a nail-biter, isn't it? I think either way yeah. it's going to be.
1: City had that ability to just to, to just torture you at times. And I remember that game at the Etihad, obviously very different Anfield playing Liverpool. Um, but yeah, at, at times they do have such incredible ability to put you under pressure. So I think it's going to be a very tough game for sure. But um, thank you so much, Mark. I really appreciate that. So sort of giving me giving me your usual insight onto Liverpool there, and uh, uh, obviously the season's going positively. Um, just before we do sort of wrap things up, Mark, did you have anything that you wanted to plug on your side?
2: Uh, nothing for me personally. You can follow me on Twitter. That's at Harry Welshi. If you want to follow me on there. And again, as, as always, the main thing is the AI Pro. It's the content just gets better and better. I love the raw show after the games is always great to listen to. The King and I just get better and better every week. Kenny and his son Paul are brilliant to listen to. And Eddie's a great host on that. And the under pressure part is brilliant, insightful, full of stats, full of knowledge. Great lesson. Everybody
1: should subscribe. Yeah, I would certainly recommend that. I mean, Sir Kenny Dalglish. I don't. I don't really need to say anything more, regardless of that. I mean, you should be listening to that. So definitely subscribe to AI Pro for that alone. But under pressure as well. Some some great work this week, uh, especially on sort of uh, myth busting as well. That is is a a topic that usually gets covered on on, on under pressure. Um, Salah this week in terms of is he really is he really in a crisis? which uh, sections of the media would have you believe that he is um, you know, the guys do very well at dispelling that as well so be sure to check out AR Pro. definitely echo that and uh, thanks so much for listening guys we'll be back next week of course to to, to preview I you know, should say, say next week we're going to a small break but uh, we'll be back after that to preview uh, the game against Huddersfield Town so uh, yeah uh, thanks for listening guys and we'll be back again soon <laughs>